The following audio content is a talk given at the Inn, a college ministry of University Presbyterian Church in Seattle, Washington. For more information, please visit our website, theinnseattle.org. We invite you to join us each Tuesday at 9 p.m. on the corner of 16th and 47th in Seattle's U District. We have Dave Lutz with us. And for those of you that don't know, uh, Dave Lutz is a counselor around the Seattle area. Uh, but he also was an intern here at the Inn um, a couple, just a few years back, right? One, one or two years ago, right, Dave? Yeah, about four years ago, Dave was an intern here at the Inn. Uh, he had been in a college ministry in Wisconsin, heading that up. That looks a lot like the Inn here in Seattle. And uh, for since then, he's come back to Seattle, and he's a counselor around town. And um, I've met with Dave once as a counselor. Uh, it was when I was an intern. He met with us four and actually changed our year, the time that we had with Dave. I don't know if you know that, but it did. It changed the way that we related with each other. And uh, before I invite Dave up, I just want you to know I have so much respect for this man because so many of my friends see him as a counselor, and the way that he helps them unpack what's going on in their life and what God is doing in their life has really changed them. And uh, so I'm excited and thrilled that you get to hear from him tonight and next week. So without further ado, if you guys could give a hand for Dave Lutz, he will come up and share. That's nice. That's my favorite intro ever, maybe. Oh, that was nice. That was a nice intro, Chris. Thank you. That means a lot to me, actually. Um, well, you guys, listen, it is great to be here. I love it. I love it. I love it. Um, this is my favorite place to speak. Number one favorite place. It really is. This is the, I, every time I, um, come back here, it is so crazy. I, Cause I, I was telling the, the student leaders today, I can literally remember sitting there back when I was, I think I was either a junior or a senior at the UW and, um, I was in the Greek system and, um, and it took people asking me to come to the end. I always give this gal, Amber Murphy credit because it was six times she had to come up to me. She goes, Dave, come to the end. I think you're going to like it. Dave, come to the end. I'm like, Amber, no, no, no. How many times? No. And it was, it was like the sixth time where I'm like, okay, Amber, I'll go if you never ask me again. And I went and I remember sitting back there and go, but I'm not going to meet anybody because I'm just going to come and I'm just going to look. And lo and behold, people were, you know, this place is so great. There were people that just would not let me sit back there. That they were inviters. They said, come on over here. And I'd say, okay. So I'm kind of, I mean, this is fine, but left to my own, if I was in a group like this, I would be more shy. I would not be the one that go out and reach and shake hands. That's not typically how I am. So it was really, really great. Um, Denny Rydberg was the pastor then, became the head of Young Life. Um, and then Mike Gaffney took over after him. And Mike Gaffney is the guy that actually, when Chris introduced me, I actually applied. Then he set me up. He said, why don't you apply? He goes, hey, Dave, why don't you apply for the internship? That'd be great. And I, did, I said, okay. And at that time, I don't know where some of you are, but I mean, that time in my life was this kind of time where it was like, man, if either God is something real, then I want my life to match. I want my life to be about that. I don't just want to go punch a clock somewhere. I don't want to just do something. If God really is who God says he is, then I want my life to be involved with that. Well, that meant that every plan I had, I suddenly was in this time of completely reinventing who I was going to be, what I was going to do. And it was trying to like find my way around like someone like you just don't, you don't know the right answers as you're trying to find your way around and trying to find your Denny says, why don't you apply for the internship? And then didn't hire me. <laughs> he totally set me up. But what he did was he introduced me to Mike Gaffney in Colorado, who is starting a new ministry based on the inn. And Mike hired me. 
And I went over there and I, I, I dropped everything. I was like, I'm like, how much am I going to get paid? Nothing. Where am I going to live? With some strange family. Okay, I'm in. You know, and I was just like off. And I was like, I, you know, I missed my graduation here. I didn't care. I just wanted to get out of town and go there. And I just, I remember that started the year, the, the, the journey. And then I went on from there. I went on to seminary. And then I started a ministry in the middle, in the Midwest, just like a place like this. And it was just a huge passion. Did that for about six years. Just had a reunion with them. This is true. Guess how old my college kids are? 90, Dave. No, they're, because <laughs> you look like you're about 120. No, it was, they're 40 now. It was crazy. I hadn't seen them in like 20 years. So it was so great to come back in these real relationships. People are just, there was like 300 kids of this thing. It was crazy. So anyway, it is, a, it is a powerful thing for me to be here because I believe that you guys are at a place in your life where the decisions that you're making are so powerful and you know it. It's one of the first times in your life where you don't have to do what your parents are telling you to do. It's, and in some ways that's great, and in some ways that's terrifying. I remember this time when, when, when the, one of the first passages that I heard was Jeremiah 29, 11. Anybody know it? For I know the, the what? The what? Plans. That I what? Have for you plans for you to what? Yes, prosper you. And I was like, I'm in. I will sign up for that. I want the plan that prospers me. That's awesome. Now, where do I go? Because it sounds like a, like a health benefit package. You know, it's like I'm signing up. I'm going to eventually get my wife and my matching children. That's going to be, I'd love that. Because all the people that I saw had beautiful wives and matching children. And I thought, this is great. I don't know what my friends are going to do, but I'm doing that thing. That's awesome. And so, you know, that was the beginning of the thing. But then there's also, after that, it's like, it's, and crickets, like, why? I'm not really exactly sure when this wonderful, prosperous plan starts, right? We're going to be talking about something that I think is right where you guys are. And listen, here's the thing. This is true. Anyone who knows me knows this is true. I'm not so invested in you agreeing with me. That's okay. This is my, you're getting my dad in, totally in me right now. What I am invested in is you thinking. Because I believe that Jesus doesn't want a bunch of baby birds going, give me another worm that I can just eat and go on being a baby bird for the rest of my life. I think God shows us through Jesus that he wants to raise us up to be people who navigate life, who have a rudder in the water, and it's not that they've taken complete control over their life, but they're in a sense a partnership with God. That God is about disciples, not simply people who come, show up, look at something and walk away and go do whatever else they were going to do until they get their next worm. Does that make sense? So to do that, in order to become a disciple, you have to become a thinker. You need to become someone, iron sharpens iron. Does that make sense? We want to make sure, I'm not coming with, here's me, I'm coming, and here's you. I'm assuming that if you and I were talking together, that the two of us would be smarter than any one of us. That's how I treat every single person that comes and sees me. We collaborate. I tell them that. You and I are going to put our heads together about your life because your life matters. I believe that. That's at the core of what I believe God says through Jesus. Your life matters. You're not here on accident. You weren't built off this, this kind of, you know, manufacturing line. And oh, here we go. We got Kevin. Well, there's another one. You know, oh, Mary. No, God says, listen, I thought you up. And you might want to think about that next time you beat yourself up in your head. 
you are in a very great date, a great uh, disagreement with God about creation right now. Next time you say something mean to yourself, maybe the biggest time you disagree with God in your life is about you. Fair? I want you to grow up to be people who navigate, who start to learn that your life matters. It's not a test. It's not a performance. It's a creation. And now I'm going to have you help create it with me. Pretty fantastic, huh? That's a God that makes me want to change what I'm doing. And that's what we'll talk about tonight and tomorrow. I want to talk about it. It's kind of weird. I was, I was like, do I go to the Old Testament? Because the Old Testament's kind of weird. It's hard to explain. <laughs> they do weird things there, you know? Like, it's like a little touchy. But I'm going to do it. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to go there. And, um, and, uh, and we'll see if we can kind of unpack some stuff. Let me pray for us really quickly. God, thank you for every person in this room, and I mean it. I know that there are people right now, because we prayed for them, that were on the fence about whether they come or whether they go, and they decided at the last moment to come. And I believe that you have a divine appointment with them tonight. You wanted them here because you like them. And because their lives matter to you. And you know the things that they're going through. You know the things they did last Friday night that they're kind of shaking their head about. You know that. And that smile comes across your face. So bless us tonight as we look at your word. Help it make sense. You know, we walk away not with a feeling that we met with some weird counselor from Seattle but the way we met with you because that's what it's, that's what we're here for. All God's people said, amen. amen. Now listen, I'm super clumsy with these. So I'm going to do this. Sometimes I forget to take them off and I almost tr like trip. I just started using these things like a couple years ago. Okay, so <laughs> it's so it's so funny growing old, you guys. You just start doing stuff. You're like, I remember when that, I remember when old people did that. And you're like, no, I'm doing that. Like wearing sweatpants and a golf shirt. Like I seriously remember the time when I was in college. I was at this place and it was Bruce Bailey. And I remember looking at him and he had the same outfit. And I remember he's just cashed it in. He doesn't care anymore. And I'm like, I'm at that stage. I don't care. I've, I haven't worn dress pants in like four years. I mean, it's fantastic getting older. But then you have these two. All right. So let me tell you this. Here's the thing. Hosea is what we call a minor prophet. And the reason why we call him a minor prophet, and if you go to, if you go to seminary, Bible scholars will say this, they call him the minor prophets. The book is, I didn't know anything about the Bible when I was coming to the end. I had nothing. So i just tell you a little bit about it. So the Old Testament, New Testament, the, the, the Bible is kind of divided into chunks. So you've got the, you've got uh, the Pentateuch is the first five books because the Pent means five, and then they, you go on. You've got the Psalms. You've got, Pro, you've got Proverbs, which is wisdom. Proverbs goes into wisdom literature. Um, and then you have have these major prophets like Jeremiah and Isaiah. And then in the very last part of the Old Testament, you have what are called the minor prophets, which are these little tiny books. But they're really, and they're, they're really interesting. If you ever want to see God not be a mechanical being, go to the minor prophets. Because what the minor prophets do is they let you see the heartbeat of God. That God gets really hurt. Yeah. That God can feel really confused. Huh? That's not right. 
Go read Minor Prophets. He absolutely gets confused. You see this sense of God being in a process with people that doesn't sometimes theologically work for me. So that's why I kind of avoid them usually. But tonight, we're not going to avoid them. We're going to go right into it. Hosea is in this time. Now listen, here's what happens. He's, he's, there's there's, there's um, Israel and Judah. The, the big God's kingdom has been divided into two big sections. They call the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. You've got Israel and you've got Judah. And sometimes they're at tension. Sometimes they're working together. And so you'll hear in the Old Testament them talking about, oh, Israel or oh, Judah. And that's what they're talking about. And they go through some really rough times. And then there's a time that, then this is where Hosea comes in, where they're both doing really well. They've had some military, some victories, and there's some economic upturns, and the people are thriving. And what happens is that over time, the success and the prosperity take the people small step by small step by small step, drifting away from God's heart. Isn't that crazy? It's not hardship that knocks them out. It's success. And we live in Seattle. I mean, it's kind of like the epitome of a successful city in that way. And into this, into this success, Hosea comes and he starts speaking. And the way the prophets would work in those days is that God would literally take a person because they don't have, you know, their NIV study Bible to go and say, well, let's turn to whatever page. No, that's not the way they're going to, they're, they're, they're going to speak through. God literally picks a person and says, you're going to be my mouthpiece. And here's the frustrating thing about being a prophet. You're not telling them the future. You're actually speaking the present to them, and they're not probably going to listen. One of my favorite guys, a guy named Garrison Keeler, used to have a radio show on NPR. He used to, say, he used to joke and say, God asked me to be a prophet. And I said, no way, because it's a terrible job. You end up lying in dirt with locusts on you and all kinds of, it's like, it's like, no, low pay. Being a prophet's a tough job. Hosea comes in, and this is what we catch is this idea that through Hosea, you're, you're, you're hearing the mouthpiece of, mouthpiece of God, and God is really upset. He's like, you guys are almost like a spouse that have drifted away from our marriage. It's really the, kind of the, the analogy that he's using. This is what he says. I'm going to start in chapter 6. And what we have here is, for the first time, this idea of a response from the people to Hosea. They say, come, let us return to the Lord, for he has torn us, but he will heal us. He has wounded us, but he will bandage us. And what they're referring to is these words that have been coming have been almost like cutting their hearts. Some of you know what it's like to have God feel like he's spoken something that almost cuts through a truth that you've been holding forever. The pain that that can cause when you think you've got it exactly ironed out and God comes in and says you don't and how sometimes that can be piercing. The way you treated your girlfriend when you ghosted her. Huh? I'm using the term right? Am I using it right? Yeah, good. You understand? Actually, seriously, I shouldn't joke about it. It's actually one of my big pet peeves. It's actually one of the things I talk about right now. People are great at starting things, and they don't have any honor when they're ending them. It's a little soapbox of mine. We've got to train. We've got to train. We've got to train on how not just to begin with honor, but how to end with honor. It's a part of being an adult. Endings. Make sense? Sometimes we hear that truth, and we're like, oh, man. Like, just now, maybe. You may have just done that last week. They called you, and then they called you again. They texted you, and they texted you. You didn't return it. You were so nice to them on that one date, and then you just stopped talking to them. 
How mean. Ouch. That's what Hosea is saying. Sometimes truth just pierces. Israel is saying, we've heard your words, God, and it pierces us because it's truth. Does that make sense? Are you with me? Verse 3, so let us know, let us press on to know the Lord. You can hear their fervor. They're starting to change directions, almost like a gigantic ship starting to turn. And it says, he's going forth as certain as the dawn, and he will come to us like the rain. You can start to feel like they're remembering who this God is, and they're getting excited. Like the spring rain watering the earth. And then God responds, what shall I do? What shall I do with you, O Ephraim? And that's a city in, in um, Israel. What shall I do with you, O Judah? For your loyalty, God says, is like a morning cloud. And like the dew which goes away early. Can you hear the hurt? I've heard this before. How many of you have had someone significant in your life come forward with all kinds of new promises, all kinds of new repentance, and you know in the next week it kind of... And you're left where you were. Some of you had parents like that. Big apologizers. It doesn't last. There's a pain in that, isn't there? Once, twice. Oh. I do groups with men, do men's groups. And I tell my guys, I go, one of the saddest days is the day that you lose the ability to apologize and have it mean something. That's a sad day. Tough to get that back. Guard your apology carefully. And God's saying, you've lost the ability to apologize. Because you've said it so many times. Now, can it be redeemed? Yes. But don't think you can come with me a rush of emotion and I'm just going to go, oh, great. I've been burned, says God. Yeah, God can feel burned. Verse 6, he says, For I, and this is the key, I delight. What makes God, can you see it? I delight. Seen a kid do that? Sometimes when Jesus says, unless you become like a little child, you'll never experience the kingdom of God. I think that's what he's talking about. Kids get it sometimes. Delight. I delight. It's like a kid who gets an ice cream cone. What? It's got to be more serious than that. No, it just says delight. I don't delight very well. But my nephew does when he gets a new space helmet, which that just happened. I delight in and this is the word, mercy, not sacrifice. You guys keep doing all these things, he says. You guys keep going to the temple, and the temple had this system where it was like this little marketplace that for that said, oh, you were mean? Okay, that's two pigeons and a lamb, and you have to buy them a certain way because they have to be a certain without blemish and blah, 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 blah. And you do that, and then the next week you go back and do what? Do the same thing. And you think that somehow that's the way I work. You think somehow I'm like a big accountant that just squared up there, squared up there, squared up there. He goes, you don't know my heart. Now, let me say this. That this tonight is going to be like foundation work. If we agree, and we might not, that to be a disciple means that we co-navigate life. Rudder in the water. God's not going to hand it to you on a silver plate. You're not a baby bird. Rain falls on the righteous and the unrighteous, says Jesus. That was a big throwdown on the Sermon on the Mount, by the way. 
Jews didn't think that was going to happen to them. They thought they got special treatment. He goes, no, you don't. You're in the earth just like everybody else. You got to navigate. You're special. You're not that special, my dad used to say. At some point, you got to get busy doing this thing called life, and God is ready to do it with you. Are you with me so far? This might be, by the way, some of you are going to walk out and go, that guy's so full of crap. I hate that. That didn't like anything he had to say. You'll probably disagree with me on that. That's okay. Talk about it. Maybe I'm wrong. Could be. Mercy is like a, a catch-all word, but it means a lot of things. It means, don't get hung up on the word mercy. What do I desire? I desire kindness. I desire charity. I desire you lightening up about being so intense about getting it exactly right. You live a sacrifice life. That's not making me happy because you never smile. When's the last time that you trusted me enough that I'm with you? I'm not going to forsake you. Who do you think I am? You think that you did that wrong thing and I'm just going to go, well, then you've offended me. I can have no longer part. I literally remember that sermon that God can have nothing to do with sin. That's why you have to go and sacrifice and make it right. God's saying, you don't know my heart then. Tonight's the foundation. If you're going to navigate life, here's the thing that God says. Yeah, you can start making decisions. And next week, you know what we're going to do? We're going to actually start talking about what do you do when life gets stressful? How do you make choices that in four, five, six years, you can look back and go, that feels wise? Ultimately speaking, in the middle of Acts, you see Peter, and it says he became a man of wisdom. And then we kind of don't hear from him anymore. It's kind of the end of his story. So the paradigm I have is that God cares more about who you're going to become than what you're going to do. How many people, when you are walking around, do they say, hey, when you're going to graduate, how many seniors do we have? How many hate this question? So what are you doing when you, yeah? How many people, and don't you have to answer this, how many people have said, hey, who are you going to be when you graduate? No one cares. No one's asking that. They're always asking, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? And, I don't know. I'm going to have a panic attack if you keep asking me that question. No, God says, uh-uh. We'll talk about that later, what you're going to do. Got to be a doctor. Must be a nurse. Must get into business school. Let go for a second here. If you're going to navigate life, the first thing I want you to know is my heart. And if you're somehow scared of me, then you don't know me. That's the first thing. Some of you got taught things you got to undo. I was talking to one young man, and he said, I used to think when I was a little kid that God was going to send, Jesus was going to send me to hell, or that Jesus was going to let me into heaven and let make my parents have to stay behind. I was terrified. Huh. Got to know God's heart. Mercy, 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 kindness, 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 kindness. If I could do it as a parent, God's, Jesus says, if I can do it as a reasonably good parent, how much more so your Father in heaven? God's nicer than you are. My ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. As far as the east is from the west, so are my thoughts from your thoughts. That's Isaiah's argument with him over, can God forgive? God says, I can, and I do, because I'm nicer than you. Hmm? Got to know God's heart. The second one is, Put what you're going to do aside for a second and start to get a vision of the kind of woman you want to be that inspires you. 
What kind of a woman of courage will you be? What kind of a woman that will be individual and quirky? What will be your version of sweatpants? Huh? Please don't show me that you're dressed like every single person on the planet when you're my age. I want you to have your quirks. God made you special. If you're going to navigate, start with a ground up. We start with God's heart. And the second thing we do is we start with, let's get a vision for you that makes you so inspired that you're willing to start letting the audience of the world go. Thumbs up if you're with me. You understand? Okay? All right, let's pray. God, thank you so much for the chance to be together. And Lord, I know that it's just, you know, these, these great people have got lots of stuff going on. And I, and, and I know that sometimes it's hard to put away what I'm doing for all this stuff this old guy is talking about. But I do pray that your spirit will filter out what doesn't need to be heard by me, but that what did need to be heard by you sinks deep. And that overarchingly, these people walk out of here with a sense of a God who looks at them and smiles. Said, I love you more than you think you, that you ever could think that I do. And I know everything about you. That they walk with that first. And then second, that they begin to get a vision, not of what they're going to do, but of who they're going to be. All God's people said, amen.